Elevation Fight Team spiritual leader. I seen that on your <laughs> topology, Sean Madden. Tell yeah. me what is what is the spiritual leader role in at Elevation Fight Team? <laughs> Someone put that on there as a joke, um, but it seems like I fit the bill a little bit for that sometimes too. You know, coaches <laughs> coaches wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it is a spiritual leader. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll roll with that. You know, athletes need that sometimes, so you got to be there for them. Going into that aspect of talking with fighters and 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 you know uh, counseling them in many ways, um, how much? What is the percentage of that as a coach? Do you think you need to have that uh, ability to to persuade a fighter to kind of get into their mind and 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 help them uh, pull something out that they feel like they might not know that they have? Yeah, man, that's that's so much of this game, you know. Um, fighting is is so much of the mental aspect of it you know of course there's there's always going to be that technical portion you need that you need to continue to refine your hard skills you know but the mental skills and and uh you know help like like you just said you know helping athletes discover their potential is is a really big part of it you know and and being able to talk to different athletes you know kind of communicating on different wavelengths and different frequencies is is also an equally important skill you know you can't come at every single person with with the same tone and the same intensity you know some people need to get barked at a little bit to wake up you know some people need to be talked to a little bit softer and when we have a team you know like we do here at elevation of a 40 year or so athletes you know everyone's different so you know a good coach i think can can unlock potential from all of their athletes using different tools in the toolbox uh, the the fighter that comes to mind that you have at elevation is uh cory sanhagen he's a guy that has a background in I believe basketball. It's not like he yeah. was growing up fighting, you know, throughout nope. his whole life. It, he started a little bit later, but he picked up striking pretty quickly. Do you do you believe he just he's just talented in that way where he can just pick up any sport? Um, I, I wouldn't say every sport, but you know, it's funny. I actually think basketball. The, if you watch Corey's footwork, you know, and and sometimes watching other sports like basketball, you can see the translation in the footwork there. You know, um, I've I've trained other fighters in the past who came from um, backgrounds like soccer, you know, and you see successful transitions with that as well. You know, so the footwork, the footwork can overlap like that, and I think a lot of that footwork and and that style, um, having that basketball background really helped Corey. You know, but um, you know he's he's also a very cerebral fighter. Um, he's of course athletically gifted too, but he's very mentally strong and mentally self-aware and that has led to a lot of his success too. Yeah, he is uh, definitely a guy that is very aware of his surroundings and, and even himself and his abilities. Uh, I'm so excited to see what he can do further in his career, you know, even though he's coming off that loss, but he's the type of guy that he could brush that off, right? Is Is he mentally there like He's at another level, right, mentally, for a young guy. 100%. I mean, you know, out of all the fighters that I've, I've, I work with now and have worked with in the past, he's probably one of the most self-aware fighters that I've, that I've had the pleasure to work with. You know, something that fighters tend to do just because they put in so much to competition, preparing for fights, is they really attach themselves to results. You know, especially in MMA, because MMA, and like boxing, is a very result-driven sport. Um, I come from a Muay Thai background where it's not so much result driven. You know, those guys fight a lot. They fight often and, and you'll see guys with 50 losses on the record all the time in Muay Thai. That's not the case in MMA and boxing, you know? So to have the ability to win or lose a fight and, and say, I won that fight, but I'm not always a winner. I lost that fight, but I'm not always a loser. 
is a very powerful thing to do. Corey was able to do that immediately after the fight with Aljamain Sterling, right? He lost, and he lost in a rough fashion. You know, it wasn't like a close decision. You know, it was a definitive loss. But he was able to sit there and analyze and say, yes, look, I lost tonight, but I'm not a loser. You know, I understand the potential that I have and the talent that I have, and this is just one. This moment does not define me as an athlete. Um, so to be able to do that, especially right after uh, an event like that, which is so— you know, you can swing in either direction after something like that. You know, that's a very powerful tool to have. And I don't see that in a lot of fighters, especially at his level. He's not, you know, he has experience, but he's not a, a veteran by any means, you know. So um, that that will is going to be what leads him to title contention next year for sure. Yeah, um, you made a great point of swinging after a fight like that. Is Are you going to swing towards the, the, the correct direction or the direction that's going to lead you to uh, failure, right? And uh, I see Corey that, you know, like you just mentioned, he's just mentally so there. And even with uh, Sterling, you know, he had that moment in his career earlier where he got knocked out by Marlon and he came back. So it just shows you how tough uh, uh, Aljamain is, man. He's he's about to fight for the title real soon. 100%, man. And look, props to Aljamain for for having that experience and then making the right choices after that. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we've seen losses like that and, and people can go the other way, you know, they can make excuses after a fight like that. Right. I wasn't ready. The coronavirus situation, I didn't get coached properly, whatever. You could make a million excuses after a loss and then you could not choose to accept what happened in that fight. Both of those guys, Aljamain and Corey have learned that experience now and it's made Aljamain a much better fighter and it's going to make Corey a much better fighter, you know? So, and, and then on top of that, Aljamain capitalized on that because he had that experience, you know? So man, it's, it's, it's cool to see that progression from both of those guys. With uh, coaching during the pandemic, you know, you've been having events after events now, um, game planning, I feel like that's something that could be used, utilized, but really, is it utilized? Because you see Austin, you know what I mean? He just got his fight pulled, but now he has a new opponent. It's, how much game planning is there during this pandemic? What adjustments have you made? That's a great question, man. Um, you know, and and I think overall, even if we weren't having a pandemic, you know, there are certain things that go into this, and you really have to look at some of these athletes and and, and play to their strengths. You know, um, one of my former coaches who I trained with a lot for a long time, Dwayne Ludwig, you know, something that he always told me when I was fighting was, look, the only thing that you can control is yourself, right? No fight is official until that first bell rings, you know? And so outside of that, you can control yourself. And that's something that we try to preach to our fighters quite a bit too, you know? So looking at someone like Austin, for example, right? Yes, he was planning on um, fighting Joe Selecki, right? We even got that short notice anyway, so it's not like he was putting a ton of stock into that. But where you know Austin is getting prepared for what his strengths are, what he's good at, you know, and we want to go out there and make his opponent fight Austin's fight anyways, you know. So okay, yeah, we have someone new now. That's great. We'll take a look at it a little bit and let's be aware of these things that his new opponent may bring to the table, right? But it's about playing to our athlete's strengths going out there, executing that game plan. You know, Drew Dober and Justin Gates, you were great examples of that, right? Making their opponent fight to their strengths and their tempo and not the other way around. With Austin, you know, he has so much potential. And uh, I feel like in his last fight, man, that could have swung his way, you know, with, with, in the judge's eyes. Don't you think so when you rewatch that fight? Oh, 100%, man. And look, like, especially the way that, um, judges were handing out 10-8 rounds this last weekend, which I think they should, right? I think that's definitely accurate. That last round in Austin's fight, there's definitely an argument for having that be a 10-8, and that, that could have been a draw, you know? 
Um, man, Austin has so much potential. He's super talented. You know, he's guy. He's got guys like Drew Dober, Justin Gaethje. We have a ton of really great 55ers here at Elevation. And look, just when you get into the UFC at, at that weight class, it's so deep, right? You know, having your first fight as Davi Hamos, having your third fight as Mark Madsen, you know, like that's the nature of that 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 uh, weight class, you know. But that also just shows how talented Austin is. You know, he didn't get submitted by Davi. He went three rounds with him. You could have argued that that fight with Mark would have been a draw. And man, if that fight goes two more minutes, I think Austin finishes it anyways. You know, so yeah, man, he's got a lot of talent, and I'm I'm really excited to. Uh, to see what he does this Saturday. Do you feel like because he's faced guys like Davi Hamos and, and Mark Madsen, come on, at the level, you know, their skill set, like Davi is just like excels at the jiu-jitsu and then you got Mark Madsen with the wrestling. Do you feel like if Austin took a step back in, in competition, it will kind of allow him to express himself as a martial artist in that cage a little bit more than he he has in the past? I think so. You know, I think if he is fighting people maybe a little bit more on his caliber of experience, not talent, but experience, it would have allowed that and we probably would have seen that. But, you know, it's the trade-off of like, okay, well, yeah, maybe he fights these guys with a little bit less experience and he wins. Or you go out there and you lose a couple of these tough fights to guys and gain that experience, you know, and now he's really leveled up coming into this next fight, you know, so... Man, it's a fine line, especially in the UFC these days, where they can cut you off of two fights yeah. if they want, you know. But I'm thankful that the UFC saw the potential in Austin, you know. And even though he's lost two fights, you know, he just got a new deal with them. Um, they see how talented he is, you know. So in, in this instance, I would trade fighting the tougher fighters. I think that's the better experience for him versus fighting guys in, on his caliber and taking a couple maybe easier wins, you know. It's better for the long game with him. Yeah, especially with that new deal that he has, it kind of secures mentally in your mind, you know what I mean? Having yeah. that contract and re-upping is just huge for your confidence going into a fight. Um, right now, during this uh, you know, COVID-19 situation that we have around the world, with fighters taking advantage, advantage of opportunities, I think that's going to be huge for a lot of guys because... You know, you see a lot of guys re-upping with the UFC, in a, you know, even coming off a loss now. You know, even you saw Ian Heinish, he was coming off a loss and he re-upped and got a fight. And now he's got another fight coming up in a couple of weeks. It's like you need to fight as much as possible right now, right? And even the guys that are young guys that are coming up, the prospects in your gym, they need to stay ready, right? Is that some advice you could give to any prospect right now? 100% man they they need fighters right now you know what I'm saying like and we've seen in you know this past weekend and a couple of weekends before guys are stepping up they're taking fights on real short notice and some of these guys who have been on the UFC roster for a long time aren't aren't even ready to fight right now you know what I'm saying like there is a lot of opportunity right now and and at the end of the day you know during this situation I don't see the UFC cutting a lot of people coming off of losses right now they're just not going to do it you know um, so this is the time to step up. It's time to go take a fight. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and if you win, man, turn around if you're healthy and go take another one. You've seen guys like Ian do it. You saw Brian Kelleher do it. Charles Rosa, even though he took a loss, he got right back in there and he got his win last night, you know? So the opportunity is there for guys in the UFC coming off a win or a loss and guys who aren't in the UFC who are, who are on the cusp of that. Yeah, man, like you better be ready for a call, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, Austin Hubbard, man, he, uh, he he's his fight fell out through the guy that's staying ready he's jumping in i think max max he's he's he trains in las vegas you know he's in the perfect location to take a last minute fight so i feel like that's a great matchup too you know what i mean even though uh 
it's not the original matchup, but it's it's a fun fight right there. Hundred percent exciting fight, you know. Um, look, man, Austin is another one who's very mentally strong. You know, he's been in tough fights before. He has that experience. He's in a room full of guys that are super talented and, and a notch above him. And training with those guys, you're going to continue to get better. So, you know, whatever fight is next for him, it doesn't phase him. I know, you know, I talked to him yesterday. You know, the change of opponent didn't phase him at all. You know, he's focusing on himself. And that's what you're really looking for in some of these younger UFC athletes is, man, are you mentally composed? Are you not phased by these little things? You know, because at the end of the day, you can't control that stuff. You know what I'm saying? You have no control over it. You just have to go in there. And, and the only thing you can control is your effort in the fight. And Austin's very good at that. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited for next Saturday for him. Uh, going back to Corey and uh, his next move, you know, his it has to make sense. You know what I mean? Like, once you get to that level, it's like every fight needs to have some kind of, you know, benefit for yourself. You know, you can't just take fights with anybody. And uh, who do you think would be a, a, a matchup that you're interested in as a coach? I, I'm going to give my opinion. I think he should fight Dominic Cruz. I feel like he needs a big name and, and a veteran. And uh, why not? You know what I mean? He, he And I've asked uh, Corey a long time ago, like, that would be one of his dream matchups anyway. So why not fight Dom while he's still in the UFC? I agree, man. I love that fight for him. You know, we've we've been pushing for that fight. We almost had it in May, you know. Um, and then, you know, whatever happened on Dom's end, you know, I think he was waiting for the title fight shot. Um, you know, so good for him that he got it. But, man, I would love that fight. You know, we missed out basically on two two legends in Frankie Edgar last January and then Dominic in May. So, man, like, you know, I would love to see him go up against either of those guys. I know Frankie's booked with uh, Pedro right now. Dom's, Dom's sitting there. The only thing that I would imagine is that it may take a little longer for Dom to come back. I, you know, he I don't know what he's feeling like after that fight. I don't know if he's dealing with injuries. You know, it's safe to assume that Dom usually has something going on, you know. But, man, yeah, fantastic fight. I agree with you. This division right now, it's super exciting. But there's also a lot of questions and what-ifs going on. So it's tough to predict what the UFC is going to do next with these fights. But um, I would Dom is at the top of my list, too. A lot of controversy, I guess, for the past couple of weeks have come from, like, corners. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You got the, the the early stoppage, the late stoppage, throwing the towel. You got the Eddie Bravo situation where, you know, in the Justin Gaethje fight where he was thrown in, you know, I feel like in the fourth round, right, where he yep. felt really uncomfortable. You know, like for yourself, when you when you corner a fighter, do you meet with the corner and say like, OK, this is how this is what the protocol will be during the fight and we're going to follow this protocol or uh, how do you handle all of that stuff? Yeah, you know, at least amongst the elevation coaches that we have, and we have eight coaches on staff, you know, but when we when we corner with, if it's three of us, three elevation guys, you know, I've cornered with all of those guys a bunch of times, and whoever it is, whoever I'm in there with, maybe it's Cody Donovan, one of the jiu-jitsu coaches, and, and Christian, the striking coach, or whatever, we've all cornered enough together where we understand our roles when the fight happens, you know. Generally, the way that we do it is that if, when the fight starts, it starts standing, right? So the striking coach is generally going to talk first, right? And the other coaches will echo what he's saying. And then the second it gets to a grappling exchange or it gets hits the floor, then the grappling coach is talking and the other coaches are echoing that person, you know? And now when we go in in between rounds, based on where we saw the fight take place the most, that coach is going to go in and talk to that athlete. Or if that athlete has 
a designated head coach within those three coaches, the head coach will go in because they generally know them the best, you know? Now where that gets tricky sometimes is when we have, you know, um, let's say a fighter comes in to train with us for, for six or eight weeks, you know, they take two coaches, but they also take a third coach of their own from back home, you know? And now we don't have that dynamic that we normally do. So what we like to do, and we've learned this from bad experience in the past, you know, but we like to sit down with that coach on fight week and explain our protocol you know, and it's not like, hey, we're going to hijack the corner from you, but this is how we do things, and we've generally had success with it, and we want to make sure everyone gels together and vibes, you know. So, yeah, man, it can it can be tricky in the corner sometimes for sure. You know, at the end of the day, all of the coaches are there for the fighter's best interest, you know, and we all want to see them succeed, but there is definitely a way to get that done to make sure that the athlete is is hearing one person, you know, or hearing a unified message and not hearing – three different voices saying three different things because that causes chaos, right? And when we have chaos, the athlete's not thinking properly and then they're a step behind, you know? So you have to really address those um, issues before you get to the fight. If the fight starts, it's, it's too late, you know what I'm saying? And I've been there before too. Um, so you have to have that talk beforehand for sure. But um, something that we've seen in these fights without crowds, man, you know, you're, you're hearing what the coaches are saying now, you know, these guys are under the spotlight a little bit, you know, and, and the commentators and people on Twitter are really starting to pick this stuff apart. And they should. It's good. It's good. You know, it's part of the sport. And you're either going to get praised like Trevor did with Justin in the corner or you're going to get slammed like some of these other coaches. But, you know, I think it warrants scrutiny 100%, man. You know, like you're coaching at the highest level. You better be on point. But it's it's funny to me. I love I love the the that we could hear everything. I love it. I love hearing the coaches and what they have to say, and and what even the fighters their responses to the coaches. Uh, but you have guys online that don't know anything about coaching criticizing what the person in the corner says. You know, what I mean, you can't really put too much stock into it to be honest with you, because they might have secret things that they put in place right to tell the fighters. Because of because you could hear everything. The the, right. the other corner could hear everything. So, you know, you know, like a Mark Henry, he'll say like some weird like eastbound and down or something. And then <laughs> yeah. That needs something, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's got his whole playbook, you know. And look, that's something I said when we had the Anthony Smith and Mark Montoya incident, you know, like I know Mark, you know, you know, at, not a lot of people know this, but Factor X is like a mile and a half from elevation. You know, we're they're right down the road from us. So I've cornered across from Mark and, and, and run into him for a decade now, you know, and, and look at the end of the day, you can't judge a fight a coach, just like a fighter off of one fight, right? You have to look at their whole body of work. You know, when, when James Krause and Mark in that first round were, were talking very panicked and, and fast to Anthony and he was responding, man, we don't know the circumstances behind that. You know, one thought that went through my head was, you know, Anthony had that situation back home where someone broke in he may not have been properly trained for a five-round fight, and they were trying to finish that fight early. I don't know. We don't know. We may never know. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, at the end of the day, those are two very well-educated guys in terms of combat sports and MMA. You know, I would like to believe that they knew what they were doing, and they probably had some more information that we didn't have, you know? But, of course, um, most people on social media aren't going to critically think like that, you know, and they're just going to take the opportunity to pile on someone when they have the opportunity. So, you know, that's also part of it. When, when we're operating at this level under this microscope, you're going to get that criticism. So, yeah, you got to shut that social media off for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, yep. Going back to the, the throw in the towel situation. Do you have that conversation with your fighters or is it just the fighters? They trust you. So they, there is no conversation. That's the big part of it. It comes down to trust, you know, 
Um, you have to develop that relationship with your athlete so they understand that you have their best interest in mind, you know. Um, coaches' philosophies will vary on this, you know, as we've seen. My personal philosophy, and I think it also reflects all of the coaches at Elevation Fight Team, that if we feel like the there is no out, possible outcome for this fighter to win anymore, we're going to throw the towel in, right? And, man, you could even go back and look at the Felicia Spencer versus Amanda fight, right? I, after maybe the third round, I didn't see Felicia winning that fight anywhere, you know? And after that, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing? You're just taking extended damage at that point. And Felicia's tough as hell, man. Props to her for sticking in there. But that's extra damage that you don't need to take that you can save for, for your next fight, you know? Some of these five-round fights, when you take five rounds of damage— it's way worse than getting knocked out quick in the first round, right? Yeah, you got knocked out, but you also didn't take 20 other minutes of, of damage to your head and to your body. So I look at these fights, and, man, if, if there's no possible outcome, if we've exhausted every outcome to win this fight, man, yeah, let's live to fight another day, you know? But like you said, you have to have that relationship with the athlete first so they understand that you have their best interests in mind. When you have a fighter that has gone through a, a war, you know, even if it's three rounds, five rounds. Now, when you have that fighter come back to the gym a little bit early, you know what I mean? Because, of course, fighters want to come back and train. That's like their life. Do you have to sometimes tell them to, to go home and, and relax? You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to be here so quick because you got to get your brain back to, you know, back to, back to normal. Yeah, you know, and exactly like you said, you know, look, at the end of the day, man, fighters want to fight, right? If they go out there and they lose, they have that fire to get back in there right away and, and right the ship, you know, and they should. That's how you should feel as an athlete and a competitor, you know. It's our job as coaches to protect them from themselves. Um, and we, we generally have a protocol that kind of slowly reintroduces them back into training, back into sparring, back into training camp for a fight, you know. But – I've seen it time and time again where guys will rush that process in an effort to erase that loss, you know, and they end up injured or they end up not making the necessary adjustments that they needed to from the last fight and they go out and they do the same thing again, you know. So as much as it can frustrate athletes sometimes to take a little bit more time, we've found generally overall that it pays off in the long run, right? Take a week off, reset yourself, stay out of the gym, you know, focus on everything else outside of fighting, get your other things in order, and then ease your way back into some practices, some non-contact practices, come watch practice, you know, slowly wake your, work your way back into the gym, and then we start talking about the heavier practices and then talking about getting back into fight camp, you know. Um, that generally works best for us. For a fighter going through a, uh, a training camp, you know, there's like, there's these distractions that could happen outside of training, outside of fighting. Do you do you see that happening a lot with with fighters and and does that really affect them in their performances inside the octagon or inside the cage in general? It definitely can, man. You know, like and I think this kind of goes back to what we talked about with guys like Corey and Austin, you know, who are really strong mentally, you know, and they don't let a ton of things phase them. You know, they're aware of things that happen outside and they're aware of how things make them feel, right? But it doesn't really stray them off the course, you know. And then there's other guys who or a little bit more of a head case and, and one bad thing outside of practice is going to mess up their whole day, which turns into their whole week. And, you know, and all of a sudden they're talking about pulling out of the fight or whatever it is, you know? Um, so it's, it's our job as coaches to, 
to refocus them and, and, and make sure that they stay focused on the task at hand. You know, there's just so many variables outside of practice, you know, at the end of the day, we only get to see these guys for one or two hours a day. And then there's another 22 hours outside of here that anything can happen and anything is going through their head, right? Or they get online and they're on Twitter and they're reading this about themselves or that about themselves, you know, and, and everything else is creeping in. So it's our job to, to keep them as mentally strong and sharp as possible so they can deal with that stuff while they're not in the gym, you know? That's uh, where the spiritual leader role comes yeah. in, right? <laughs> there you go. See, it's all come full circle now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, this weekend coming up, you got Curtis Blades in the main event versus Alexander Volkov. Break down this uh, matchup. Is it uh, the typical grappler versus striker? That's what everybody's saying right now. Do you see it as that? Yeah, you know, it, it, it would appear to be that on paper, you know, but... Um, you know, if we look back at Curtis's last fight, that was also the same thing with Junior, right? And mm -hmm. Curtis went 0 for 6 on takedowns and then knocked Junior Dos Santos out. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, Curtis really needed that last TKO win to boost his confidence. His striking is really good, man. It's solid. He does well in the gym with it. He just, you know, he's so confident in his wrestling, as he should be, that that's his default and his go-to, you know. But his coaches. Vinny Lopez, his striking coach, and Cody Donovan, his grappling coach, have really worked to kind of shake that mindset from Curtis and really turn into a true mixed martial artist because he is, you know. He is a dominant wrestler, but he has all these other skill sets. So, man, I wouldn't be surprised if Curtis trades with, with Volkov for a little bit, you know, but we also have to keep in mind that we're in the 25-foot cage next weekend, you know, and uh, there's not going to be a lot of room, especially Volkov being six foot seven, you know, like he's not going to have a lot of room to all – to, to kind of maneuver in that cage. Curtis is probably going to get his hands on Volkov pretty quick, you know, and I think it's going to be a short night. Yeah, his uh, his ground impound, especially the, the Alistar fight, it's crazy that how they fought and he grounded and just pummeled Alistar, and now they're training together, and Alistar is moving back up into the into contention too. You guys got, you got both guys in there. Uh, two totally different skill sets, but skill level at the same you know what i mean it's just uh insane what you have going on with the heavyweights yeah it's cool man you know and that 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 really showcases how much of like a student of the game alistair is you know to be to humble yourself after a loss like that you know and ask that ask your opponent to if you can come train with them you know and then when alistair showed up to the team very respectful to everyone you know he really made it a point to meet everyone and and you know not be alistair overeem you know he did a lot of poker nights early on um, where he'd bring the guys over and play. And, and Alistair's good at poker, just just as a heads up. He'll take your money, so be careful with that. But, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time together as a team with him, you know, just outside of the gym, you know, and he wanted to make sure that he let us know that he was here for the team and he was not here just to be Alistair, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, he's given a lot back to the to, to the team. And, um, you know, that's a credit to, to Cody Donovan, uh, the grappling coach, and Vinny Lopez, his you know, his striking coach and Christian and Allen, you know, in my eyes, Alistair's 4-0 with the team. You know, we had the Rosenstrike fight where he lost the last couple seconds, you know, but that was a that was a dominant performance as well. So if you look at his last four fights, you know, he's done great. Um, some solid finishes in there, you know, and, he, and, you know, that's just a credit to these other coaches on elevation that are really doing a great job with them. So do you do you see a short night for Curtis this uh this weekend because it seems like it's it's gonna play out like that like you said earlier the small cage and and him being able to wrestle like he does and and get his hands on him and and it doesn't seem like volkov 
is the best at defending takedowns. Do you see him as a a, a good defensive wrestler? Uh, you know, he he's all right, but the level of Curtis's wrestling is just I think it's just going to be a step above, you know what I'm saying? Volkov likes to be the rangier fighter, you know, he likes to fight long, he uses his straight punches, he uses his push kicks and it's just not going to work in a small cage, you know. If Curtis gets a hold of that leg, He's going to run him to the fence, and he's going to dump him from there, you know. And if he puts him against the fence early, I think Volkov's just going to have a hard time getting up, you know. Um, Curtis is at a great training camp. He looks better every single time he steps in the gym, um, you know. And, and his eyes are set on the title, you know. He's not looking past Volkov, but he knows where he wants to go in this division, and he knows what he has to do to Volkov to get to that position, you know. So he's relentless when he gets in there, man. As soon as he gets on top— it's going to be a wrap, you know. Um, so I, I'm I'm going to go with second round finish. With uh, the you know a lot of people have dumped on Curtis, you know what I mean? Because he's kind of risen up the ranks real fast, and you know he had he had a couple of tough losses, but I feel like we haven't even seen the prime of Curtis yet because his striking is slowly developing and kind of reaching the level of his wrestling. So when is that the goal? Is to get his striking so? at such a level to where it's like people forget about his wrestling and that's kind of his like his backup plan. Yeah, man. I mean, look at Gaethje, right? You know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I've, I've watched Gaethje since his first fight here in Colorado and, and he was winning fights by suplex, you know, he's got a couple suplex knockouts, you know, but once he learned how to throw and, and throw low kicks and punches, like, you know, he knew that guys weren't going to take him down. Right. And he, and then he just got so confident in his striking that he started to turn into a striker and a finisher. You know, I could definitely see that with Curtis, too. You know, he just needed to get over that little hump of saying, hey, yeah, my striking actually works. It's effective, you know, and him finishing junior with strikes, I think, was that hill that he got over. You know, so now we're going to see some growth in the striking. We're going to see him a little bit more comfortable there. And he always knows he has the, the, the wrestling in his back pocket. Right. Like if, if things get hairy. You know, he can take these guys down right away. But, you know, I would like to see, and I think we will see in these next couple fights, some progression with Curtis's striking on the feet and his ability to finish guys a little bit more there and just become a really well-rounded mixed martial artist that we know he is. Definitely. Well, you know, Elevation has such a talented crop at the top, but I want to know about the prospects. You you probably have a few guys that you have under your wing. Talk about those guys and, and how long it's going to take for them to get to the big show and, and for us to kind of view them on the on the big platform. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, before I even talk about them, you know, we also have a really big group of ladies that train uh, up as a part of Elevation Fight Team that the guys have been getting a lot of shine lately because they've been doing so well. But we have a really good group of girls that are super talented. We have some amateurs and then we have some some pros there. You know, we have Mallory Martin, who's a UFC uh, strawweight. We have Shauna Dobson, who's a women's flyweight. Um, she had one fight with us in February. She had just moved to us like in December, you know, so we're, we have just gotten our hands on her. Um, but we've already seen some progress with her. So keep an eye out for them too. Um, but in terms of our prospects, I mean, we got a couple guys on contender series coming up in August. Um, we have Ty Flores, who's a, a light heavyweight. I think he's eight and two or nine and two right now. We have Anthony Adams, who's a middleweight, who's going to be on contender series as well. He fought there once before. He's coming back again. He's one of the most talented guys in the gym. Um, we have Nate Smith, who's an undefeated flyweight. Um, his last fight was with LFA. He got a second-round finish there. Um, he's going to be on Contender Series in August as well. Um, man, I, I would say we have probably 10 guys like on what I would consider kind of like that B-level LFA guys 
fighting on the regional circuit. We could see probably half of them in the UFC by next year, you know. Um, you know, winning fights always helps, but there's always some other factors that go into that, right? Management, what the UFC needs at that time. You know, there's there's a combination of things that you need, but we're building a really nice next level of talent to get to the UFC coming up for sure. Yeah, I feel like that's what you need. And, and having that, you know, that group at the top and and working with them, those prospects are going to benefit most most more than anybody right coming up and they so they know the level of competition that they're going to face in the future um one last thing is like where where is brandon thatch i want to know like what happened <laughs> to him like he was you know he was a guy that was highly touted is he is he coaching now um he's doing a little bit of coaching you know um he's doing like some personal training stuff too he's talked about fighting again you know man he was one of the the most talented guys in the room by far you know um such a good striker, you know, big for that weight class. And, and he burst onto the scene, at least on the UFC level, very quickly, you know. Um, I think almost to the point where just his skills overall hadn't quite caught up to where he was, right? Like when you're fighting a Gunnar Nelson and he wasn't quite um, developed enough in the jiu-jitsu area where you get a specialist like that, you know, man, it's, it's, it's good night for you, unfortunately. Um, you know, he still has the fire. Um, we see him every now and again pop in the gym. I would love to see him fight again, man, whether it's in MMA, whether it's in glory kickboxing. I, I pushed him for a long time. I wanted him to go go fight kickboxing or Muay Thai or something because his striking is dope, and one of those promotions would have picked him up for sure. So, yeah, man, I, I don't, he's been under the radar. I don't think we've seen the last of him yet just yet, though. Yeah, I would like to see him go over to uh, one championship and, That'd be and awesome. get in that super series. Get in that yeah. uh, with the MMA gloves, you know, the boy tie. That would yeah. be sick. I think he would excel in that. I think that I, his skill set would make him a, a definite cha champion in that promotion. I agree. He would shine there, man. All right, Sean. Uh, man, I appreciate the time, man. You're giving me. I you're busy like every week. Every week you're you're somewhere, especially with the UFC. And uh, I guess that's a good problem to have. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out again, man, in a, in a couple months and and catch up and. And yeah, this team is the team to watch. I think like 2020 is like, you know, like you've had city kickboxing the past couple of years. It's like Elevation Fight Team is like your, your guys' turn now to get that shine. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, you know, we've been kind of quietly working behind the scenes, you know, but the results are starting to speak for themselves, you know. And look, we're only halfway through the year right now. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I look out for a big second half of 2020 for these guys, you know, and look, and that's all credit to these athletes who are putting in a ton of work every single day, making each other better. And then all these great coaches we have on staff, you know, like um, everyone's there for the team and, and, and the results are showing, man. So I appreciate you giving some shine to Elevation Fight Team. I know all the guys appreciate it too. And uh, yeah, keep, keep, keep on the lookout.